Welcome to Connected with Emily Obey. I'm your host. This is a podcast dedicated to having conversations that matter to help us feel connected to ourselves, to each other, and to the world we live in. You'll most likely never find me on a volleyball court because I was once kicked out of a grade nine gym class for being so bad at it, the teacher thought I was fully messing with him. You will, however, find me writing books, coaching people on how to have a successful online business through effective content marketing and copywriting, and helping people heal from adversity to live lives that truly feel good and make an impact in our society. Stick around, because I ask the questions we're all wanting to know the answers to. Hi guys, welcome to Connected with Emily Obey. Today I have this beautiful soul named Lisa Nagel on the podcast with me today. She is an intuitive guide, healer, card reader. She is actually my own grief coach. So I'm so excited to first describe what a grief coach is and have her on the show today with me. Lisa, welcome. So much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because your approach to grief is one of the most genius things, honestly, that exists in the world. And I really mean that. So I think Aww. you're going to do this so much today. Before we get into the bulk of the show, the first question I ask everyone who comes on, because the podcast is called Connected, when was the last time you felt connected to someone, something, um, whether that was a person, a place, an event that deeply moved you. Let's start there. The stage is Yes. Oh, I love that question. Like when I was like listening to some of your previous episodes, I was like, oh, these answers are all really, really good. Um, I think actually it was like an hour ago. I was sitting on the couch and my dog came and just put his head against my heart and it moves me every single time. I could like cry about it every time because it just feels like I love him so deeply and I also feel so deeply loved by him. And I just, yeah, he has like a really crazy story of coming from a really abusive home and that he feels safe enough with me to just rest. Uh, that feels really special and really connected and beautiful. Uh, that actually brings me such like joy in the heart center. What is your dog's name? Bodhi. Bodhi. Oh, what a good name. Yes. yes. <laughs> you recently just got him, right? Yes, I got him six months ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. How old is Bodhi? He is two and a half. Two and a half. It's really sweet age. And yeah, I just love him so much. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to give you an interview about your dog. And what? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I love animals so much. I think it's so powerful to be in co-regulation with an animal um, yes. from the nervous system standpoint. Oh, it's so mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Hearing that. That's lovely. So Lisa, I'm so excited to have you on the show today because you are one of the members of my support team. And it's kind of fun because we always talk about me and here we're going to get to talk about you. <laughs> so I'm going to get to like ask you questions and um, hear a little bit of your story that I, I perhaps don't even know. So I'm, I'm like personally invested in this conversation. And Sounds great. yeah, I think that for everyone listening, um, grief is a, is a thing that we all experience. Um, 
all differently for sure. Um, but there's so much shame and I don't know, I would say just misunderstanding around the purpose of grief in our lives. Um, grief kind of seems meaningless for the most part, I would, I would say, like as a general theme in our society, at least in like the Western world. Um, and it feels scary. And I know that I described it to you as like a tsunami that like, I just, I can't, I just look at it and I know it's coming and it's, <laughs> I can't do anything about it. Right. So yeah. I think that your approach to grief, uh, finding wisdom in grief is one of the most like revolutionary things for like a human being to do. So can you give us a little bit of a background on why you started to want to do this work? Like what, what prompted you as a human being to be like, you know what, I think we need some help around grief. There must have been a really intense journey in your own life surrounding grief. So tell us about it. Yeah, that's very true. I think there's like, there always comes a point in life when it's like, oh, right, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so for me, it was really interesting. Now looking back, I realized that even as a kid, like I made like graves for every fish our cat killed. And like, I had like all these ceremonies for like the dead butterfly I found or like all these things. And I was always very invested in like the passing of, of a being or like of some like spirit. And it really, I didn't really realize it until my great grandma died when I was 18. And that kind of really shook me, but I was still like, oh, this is, you know, not how I'm supposed to live my life if I would just turn to grieve and like really go all in. So I kind of even ignored that. Um, and then when I was 24, I got divorced and that kind of hit me out of nowhere. And that brought on so much grief, so much helplessness around grief. Like I had no idea what to do with myself, what to do with the feelings I was having with just everything. I was completely lost. And so healing from that really brought me here where I'm like, this is my purpose and I can really feel it has really aligned with my soul and my heart. And so I think there's just really that point for me was really, yeah, just feeling so much shame, like you said, around even feeling so much grief. Like you're, there's like an adequate amount of grief we are allowed to feel in our society. And mine just felt so blown out of proportion in comparison to that. And so I think for me, that was really the point where I was like, there's no help for grief out there. There's like, yeah, sure, you can cry or you can like, you know, sob. But there's, I felt like there was no other guidance around how you're supposed to navigate grief. Right. Yeah. And not having the guidance there freaks me out about our society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, it really freaks me out because if you look at like tribal communities, for example, um, mm -hmm. there's always someone in charge to be the guide through hard times. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like we really don't have that. And it's, it is really scary. And it's also very like isolating when we yeah. don't have them. We're just like on our own. And then here's your grief. And there you go. Bye bye. Have fun. Like right. that just is not like contributing to a better world or to, you know, better humans at all. Right. So what does, what is grief for you? What does it, what does it mean? Mm, yeah. I've like thought about this so many times because, you know, trying to figure out how to like make it really clear and kind of short. And really what I've realized is that 
for me, like I choose to believe and really trust that grief is an invitation from our future self, from the divine, from the universe. And that really is like calling us home into our hearts, into our bodies, minds, kind of like our truth, our desires. So we can really, you know, move into the world or around the world from a place that feels really solid and really honest and truthful and just like we are without pretending, without any masks, but like really from a point that feels like, yep, this is me. And I feel like that is kind of what grief is inviting us into, into that moment of, yes, this is me. These are all my truths. This is the wild of me. This is the tender that is within me. So really just having it like this and be this invitation. Yeah. And I can attest to this process deeply (laughs) right now in my own life, working with you and going through my own grief process. I can say that I have not felt this connected to myself in legitimate years, um, perhaps even a decade. And what's really weird is that like, I liked your message and I really liked, I, I don't know, you know, when you're kind of like, I need to work with this person. Like that was mm-hmm. very much my relationship to starting working with you. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say that like that whole thing, that grief is an invitation to <laughs> yourself. I was like, that sounds nice, but like, I don't, I don't really like, I don't know if I believe it yet, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I was really pulled to it. There was something like it wasn't, it wasn't even like something human, I think that was pulled to working with you, except the fact that you're super lovely, um, of course, but like the work itself was like a magnet to me. And Mm -hmm. I, I loved how you described it. And I loved how you described the purpose of grief in our life. But I can say that before I started, um, the actual, process of it I thought oh that's like a really cute way to describe grief um and not in a cute like artsy fartsy way just like oh wow like wouldn't that be so beautiful if that were true Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I like I know this so well because when I was in that place and somebody would have said oh it's just an invitation everything's going to be fine I would have been like you have no idea Mm -hmm. like this is hell and how am I ever going to come out of it and how is this ever going to be an invitation? But I really, for me, everything shifted when I really realized, like coming out of it or like moving with it, that, oh my God, I'm being invited into myself so many times. I'm just, you know, it's very scary and it's very like kind of unexpected. This is not what, you know, society told me grief was. And so I think this is really like kind of a bold way of saying grief is an invitation because it doesn't feel like that at all in the moment. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then though, when you start the process of seeing what grief is inviting you to actually look at, it's Mm -hmm. like revolutionary. Um, so you mentioned that you got divorced at 24 and Mm -hmm. from what I do know about your story is that that kind of almost made you meet your grief of like your whole life. Yes. Yeah. Cause I really feel like a lot of times in our lives, like we process grief to a certain extent like somebody dies or some situation changes and we have a lot of stress with that. And we like cry for a while, but we feel like it's not really healing. So I'm just going to stop or I'm going to just kind of ignore it or shove it down a bit. 
And then we just move, keep on going with life. And then something really big happens, like a, like a big grief comes into our lives. All of a sudden, all of this old grief that was never fully processed comes back. And we're just flooded with this kind of wave of all the healing we need to do or that our bodies and our hearts want to do. And so I think that can be like, you know, the tsunami experience of being like, oh my God, there it is. <laughs> wow, all these other times when I kind of felt grief and I thought I processed it or like all these things, it's just like, whoa, there it is, all of it, all of it together at the same time. Right. And I'm interested in your process. So like you don't have a grief coach at this point because it doesn't exist until you decide it needs to exist. Or maybe <laughs> like you don't know about it yet. Um, so like what do you do? Like you're in that moment, like I'm assuming that you felt like this person was the love of your life. Um, mm -hmm. Like there was probably so many things happening for you in that moment in, in those mm -hmm. time period. And on top of that, you're like grieving your parents' divorce. You're grieving all your pets that have like gone. You're grieving all the people who have crossed over. Like, what did you do? Like, what, who were you in that time period? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Like when I go back, I'm always like, oh, wow, I, I needed so much more compassion than I gave myself at that time. Um, but I think who I really was, I think I was so lost at the time. I, I felt like I was without boundaries, like in this like physical sense, I just felt like my whole body just dissolved and like, I couldn't collect myself from all the different places where I'd left myself. So like, you know, leaving myself, like parts of myself in the divorce of my parents and like my mom getting sick, my divorce, betrayal, all these things. I just felt like I was really just dissolving into this grief and I felt so much shame because it was so intense and it wasn't appropriate what I thought at least was appropriate at the time and what I what I then did because I was at this like really low point where I was like either this is this is it like this is the end or something needs to change and I remember just feeling so shaky just about even like realizing like this is it. I cannot feel any more grief if nothing changes. Um, and then I turned to nature. I turned to like all the like little healing tools I'd picked up throughout my life. Um, through all the like woo-woo stuff my mom used to do, like all these things. I just picked them up, made like little packages for myself that felt doable and like safe for me to do. And I just created like these little rituals. Like literally I started by blessing my, the water I was drinking because I felt so out of touch with the world, with myself, with the divine that it felt like this dissolving of myself would never stop unless I anchored something into my life. And so I really said like, you know, water bless me and like help me grieve or help me heal. Just like simple things like that. That's how I started really to like kind of, feel more real in the world and less in like this nervous system breakdown mm -hmm. by really having like these small moments of attention that felt doable and safe. Cause I think a lot of times in our grief, we get into like these really intense places and then we try to like change it all or like, we're just like, Oh, I'm just going to do it. And we forget that we need to like check in with what's doable, what's actually doable in the life circumstances that we're, we're having that we're living in like in our hearts, minds, bodies, nervous system wise, it all needs to be like, kind of all needs to connect. Right. And as you're talking, I'm wondering, this has never occurred to me until this moment. What do you think that grief was 
asking or inviting you into like personally in your own life? What was the invitation for you? Oh, <laughs> this is like, so, oh, this is such an interesting question because I remember asking for my purpose a lot in that grief period. Cause I was like, all right, so this person, isn't it? This path that, path that I was on, isn't it? So what is it then? And I did this full moon ritual in the forest. I poured, like, I had, like, written so many, like, angry letters, like, all these things, and burnt them. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to put it in a stream in the forest. And so it was, like, in the winter, in the winter, it was 5 a.m., full moon night, and I stood in front of, like, the stream. And, like, yeah, it was, like, very dramatic, you know, like, <laughs> all the stars didn't, like, you know, hesitate to do any of the things. And I just, like, poured my ashes into the stream. And all of a sudden, it was really, that was like really my miracle. Like a hog landed in the tree across from me, and just looked down at me. And then I could like hear, like inside myself with the, like some kind of download, I could really hear like what my path was, like to really guide people through this, through grief and to help the world heal. And I thought at the time, yeah, right. I'm a freelance illustrator. This is never going to happen. So that was like my miracle. And at the same time, my, oh my God, I can't do it moment. Um, but then throughout the journey, as I kept moving forward with this message in mind, I was just really like, okay, I'm going to follow this intuitive, like knowing that that's my path. And that's what I did. And kind of just unfolded, unfolded like with so much ease and flow because I was really listening to the like truest truth within me that I hadn't known before because there was all this other stuff covering it up. But in grief, most of the time we're like stripped to like our bare bones. We're, we're kind of naked and we're, we're getting to this like raw place where everything is visible for ourselves. Yeah. And I think that is like such a powerful place. Also the scariest place. But I think in that moment, so much becomes clear or so much it's like, yeah, we, we like realize what we've been like longing for even. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I had a hunch that it was going to be purpose for you, but it's so beautiful to hear you express it the way you just did. Cause it's very interesting how it was, it sounds like it was like a relief moment and yes. then also like a, Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like grief for you brought you back onto a path of alignment. Oh yes. Totally. Basically everyone, if we use the alchemy yeah. or the magic of it, would you agree? Yes. 100%. Yeah. So cool. Okay. So, okay. Let's go back to the forest. It's 5 a.m. And you're jumping yes. your in the stream. <laughs> it's a full moon night. What do you do when you go back home? Like what, what's your plan? So I didn't have a plan. What I did, I stopped the whole way home because I was like, this is, feels like too big. I can't handle it. And then I went home, wrote it down on a piece of paper, stuffed it into my diary and just went on with my day. Okay. And then yeah. when did you go get that paper? from the diary like when did you start the work you'd say yeah mm. I think it was like maybe like a month after mm -hmm. like I was like okay okay because I could feel like the urgency like growing like when we have like these intuitive punches and we can like feel like oh my god okay I need to do it I need to do it and so I just felt like okay I'm going to give in to this and just do it 
And the first thing I did was, because at the time I was really like focused on like card readings. And so I was like, I'm just going to read somebody's cards, like a stranger's cards. And I did. And it was like, so like affirmative of what the person said that she had actually said to me, this was better than like five years of therapy. And I was like, wow. Okay. And then I went like back home and was like, wow. So this is really true. Like this thing that I wrote down in my diary, this piece of paper is actually true. Yeah. And you are such a good card reader slash intuitive. Um, really Thanks. sometimes I'm like how the f do you know these things like how did this how did this come up like <laughs> right um yeah. yeah okay cool so then it went from it almost like you had an experience that kind of confirmed the download yeah yeah, yeah. and then and like, on, do you get more confidence yes yes and I feel like this is kind of the thing when we get like step into our divine truth is that the universe will keep us, will keep giving us situations that affirm that and like to really reassure us that we're on the right path. So whatever truth we might find in grace, I feel like the, the universe will re, like keep reaffirming that that is the truth until we like feel like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, that's true for ourselves. Yeah, totally. I almost don't want to in- ignore my own truths because what kind of other fuckery could I go through <laughs> if I... <laughs> I keep ignoring it, right? <laughs> um, not I'm really not. Um, so that's really interesting how, yeah, that makes total sense. It's like the universe will keep affirming our truth. And if we deny it or go um, in another direction, it's not, it's not going to punish us, but there are going to be events or circumstances that kind of bring us back to the affirming of the truth, especially yeah. once we've uncovered it. Yes, yes. I love that. So I have a question and this, you know, I don't actually have any attachment to the answer, but it just really fascinates me how you approach grief as a whole. So I think we think grief is when someone either, well, I think just passes away, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's the experience of grief and that's about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we have like certain like levels of like what's acceptable. Like if your dog dies, well, you have like a certain, like you said, like a certain amount of grief that's kind of like acceptable for that situation. If, you know, your aunt dies, then there's like a specific amount of grief that you're kind of allowed to feel through that circumstances. Um, And same for like parents or grandparents or whatever it might be. Um, Mm -hmm. But grief is much more than just like a life switching forms, right? Yes, Um, yes. And, and tell me more about that because I think some people may associate grief as like, I'm not allowed to feel grief unless someone really close to me has died. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think this like whole feeling of grief is that we can't control it. So we feel grief and then we're like, we can't feel grief because the circumstance isn't big enough. But I think that grief is valid at all times. When we feel it, it's worthy of being met and seen. And so like for me, personally I really believe that like for example like moving countries can bring up so much grief like changing ourselves a lot where we're just like wow we've grown so much but I still miss that like me that I was when I was age that can cause like so much grief as well or relationships ending and you know all the other things you said as well and I think there's like no timeline really like in divinity and in the universe I really truly believe that there's no acceptable timeline, no acceptable way of like, or appropriate way of expressing our emotions. Mm 
because grief will come to us and we like in our truth, in our deepest heart of hearts, we will know how wild we need to be, how tender we need to be, how angry we need to be, how sad we need to be in order to like process the grief. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads me to asking you, what, what does grief feel like? Like, what is it if you were to give it a feeling? Maybe it's a mismatch, but yeah, yeah. Identify like this is grief. Essentially, is what I'm asking. Mm -hmm. So all the like clients I've had, all the conversations I have had about grief, everybody says it's a little different. So for me personally, it felt really like this dissolving into this like empty void, and there was like no boundary to it. There was no container at all. Mm -hmm. Some say it feels like this like churning knife in their heart or their belly. Others say it's just like all the air has been sucked out of my body and I can't breathe. Some say like this is just like, you know, they feel like they're floating. And like all these other different ways. I really think that like it's so unique and so personal how grief feels for us because of how we grew up, like what our beliefs are, how our bodies are, how our nervous systems are. And so I think there's like so many different ways in which grief shows up. But I think like the overall like feeling, if I had to put one or pick one, it's like this kind of overall heaviness that we can like feel like this dark cloud is kind of looming above our lives and it's just not moving no matter what we do. And that oftentimes is like grief or like all this like stored up grief that we haven't really fully processed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really fascinated by this whole idea that we don't always process our grief well um, mm -hmm. because we don't know how. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's so cool how you just mentioned that everybody has a different, like, I don't know if it's like a connection with grief, but it's everybody has a different experience of what, what grief feels like. And it, it can really be influenced by their background or yeah. what's already in their bodies when the breakdown happens, let's say. Exactly. Yes. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I love that. Um, cool. So if you were to like put into this beautiful, cute little box, um, some of your biggest truths, um, or the biggest lessons from grief that you have personally experienced, what would those be? And I say cute little box, like, no, let's just go wild. Yeah. I'm like, why am I putting you in a box? Oh my gosh. Okay. So just what are the wild lessons that you learned from, from grieving and from, from like really finding your purpose through that process? Mm -hmm. The first thing that comes to mind is that I want to be free more than I want to be appropriate. Oh, and another one. Yeah, I mean, that was just like came up, which, you know, <laughs> that's like feels so true and spot on. Um, other truths. Grief really, really hurts. It really is painful. And if you can feel it in your body, in your heart, your mind. And there are moments in grief where you feel like you're going crazy. Mm -hmm. And like even those moments later, looking back at it, on it, they are even, even those moments are sacred and they're really welcome because that is going to change things and that's really going to help you arrive back at the truth of who you are um 
other truths. No matter how we get to grief, we are always, we always belong there. Like we are not visitors or anything. Like the grief belongs to us and we belong to it. Um, what other truths? I can't think of any right now. So, oh wow. I love, I love all of these. I love, I want to be more than a, be appropriate. That's amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> tell me more about how we belong to grief and grief belongs to us. Okay. I think a lot of times when we grow up, so I'm going to back up a little. Um, when we grow up, there's a lot of times only like two ways how we like learn how to relate to grief. So one of them is we, we feel grief arise, sadness arrive. We go to our parents or our caretakers and we say, Hey, feeling all this grief or all this sadness. And then the other person, our caretaker gets helpless. And that sends us the signal that we don't belong in our grief or that if we feel grief, we don't belong. And so we shut it down and, or we grow up or most of the time we do both. We grow up and we go to funerals or something like that. And we're told, okay, so your condolences, you know, we'll maybe cook something, we'll call. And then we just leave them to grief in private. And so then there again is this like signal that we learn that, oh, okay, so grieving we do privately, we don't do it in a community where we belong. And so when I say we belong in our grief and our grief belongs to us, is this thing that when we belong to our grief and our grief belongs to us, we still belong in society. We still belong with our community, our families, our friends, our loved ones, and that it doesn't make us an alien in the world. And that um, because grief can often feel so strange, like a stranger, like an alien, is that when we choose to belong to it and it to belong to us, we make it more normal. We call it in, we befriend it. We don't fight it anymore. Because I think like when we don't want our grief, when we are like, okay, I'm not gonna do it. I don't, I don't wanna belong in my grief. I don't want my grief to belong to me. We fight it. And this fighting like drains all of the energetic resources we have in our hearts, bodies, minds, nervous systems. And I really feel like it's so important to kind of take that stress out of our bodies and nervous systems to be like, okay, I'm just going to claim this grief as my own and I'm going to belong to it and it's going to belong to me. And then to just like see how, what changes then. And if we can, if we feel a little lighter by claiming it. Wow. That, that feels really powerful. Just listening to you speak about that. It's mm -hmm. so true how when we go to our caretakers in most cases, yeah. listening must have some experience of this or another um, with our big, big emotions. Sometimes they can't contain it. So mm -hmm. then what happens then? Well, we have to repress or we have to ignore, or we have to dissociate to be, yeah lovable or in connection still with them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that actually makes me want to segue into what you think needs to shift um, in our world for us essentially, well, what needs to shift around grief for us in our world so that we're not so scared shitless of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first thing that needs to like kind of shift is that feeling of helplessness around grief, that complete, oh my God, there it is. 
all right, like this complete, like frozen in fear or like any of those things. And I think what can really help is to just, for example, if somebody comes to you with grief or you're experiencing grief yourself, to just have somebody to listen, to really just listen, not fix it, not, not force anything to happen, not like tell you what to do, but to just listen and like to be able to like pour out that grief that you've been holding in into the world or by you just listening to somebody who's grieving and just, you know, letting all of the grief, all of the anger, all of what might come out just be without feeling like you to force it, fix it, do anything with it. And to affirm that they are not doing it wrong if they're feeling any way, um, but that they are okay, that they're still lovable, that you love them or that some or asking even somebody to listen to you if you are the one grieving and to just be like, I just need an affirmation that even when I feel all these things, all these crazy ways that I'm still lovable, that I belong to you. And I think that is one of the biggest things to learn to sit with grief and to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I think too, it's very interesting. Like I had a family friend, um, lose his his mother in the past few months and um it's been interesting to to see how people react to the situation like even in my own family system like it's been very interesting like to see how my father for example mm -hmm. like dealt with the grief almost like let's not talk about it directly to the person <laughs> as though yeah. but like yeah them in some way or another and it's like oh I really would not want that for myself um mm -hmm. and what I've done just with my friend is just be there and listen and yes. even with like the and just affirm that like I probably would feel the same way if I was in his shoes right yeah, yeah. it's been cool for me to not have to like try to make it better and I really enjoyed our conversations because of that um mm -hmm. because I've just been able to listen and even if the thoughts or the conversation was like very depressing at some points or another or very hopeless or whatever like yeah I just it made sense to me and I just listened and I you know I wasn't like well look on the bright side or you know like you know because like what the <laughs> you know what I mean so, um, so I don't know. I think as a society, um, we've got to get better at listening more instead mm -hmm. of trying to fix in mm -hmm. general. But then in, yes. this, in this grief world, like that's almost critical, would you say? Yes, 100%. And there's like, I feel like there's so many like cute little things to say. Like you get a divorce. Oh, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Don't you worry about it. You're young and pretty. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody dies, life will go on, time will heal all wounds. And like all these things that people often just say because they're helpless, something that would be more helpful and I think more in integrity with it for everybody, just be like, oh, wow, this is, this, is a, this is a lot. This is a lot. This is big news. I didn't know and I don't really know what to say. I'm just really, really sorry to hear that. Like that feels more truthful a lot of times than being like, Oh, I'm so sorry, but there's plenty of fish in the sea. Or, oh, time will heal all wounds. I think that is not really the truest truth for either of the like people involved in the situation. Yeah, totally. And um, 
something that I find really helpful um, for myself when people ask me or just to mm -hmm. ask other people is, so how are you feeling? And just like mm -hmm. literally listening to how they're feeling and then being like, that makes sense. Or yes. I probably feel that way. Or, you know, I feel like that even goes further than just, I'm sorry, this happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, like you actually care about how I feel. And then I have this like safe space to talk to you about it um, mm -hmm. without judgment and without, you know, just also what's important, I think, is presence, obviously. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just think that that, if anybody's listening and doesn't know what to say in those situations, I love that. So how do you, so how are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. you know and even if the person's like i feel like the worst i've ever felt you know mm -hmm. you can yeah. say yeah that makes sense yes exactly <laughs> yeah 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 and also not being like scared to do it imperfectly yeah like because exactly. we are all human you know it's totally okay if we're like not perfect at asking somebody how they're doing or saying the right perfect condolences for any situation that's okay yeah and i think that's actually what stops us sometimes from, from connecting yeah. with people because it's like, we think like, what are we, you know, like, what are we supposed to say? Like, Oh God, like I just saw this person. I know they lost this person or they're going through something. Um, mm -hmm. Do I say like, I'm so sorry for your loss. Do I say like, I've heard about you and this person and I'm so sorry you're going through this or I'm here. Do you want to hang out? Like whatever, you know, what do you mm -hmm. say? And then it's like, you don't want to like upset them and then you just don't say anything. And then that doesn't create any connection. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. I, I love that piece of being imperfect in how we address grief. Yeah, yeah. We're all human. Like, we're all, we've all come here to, like, figure life out. And so I think if we're, even for, like, failing or we think we failed at, like, doing this or, like, addressing the dream, grief or speaking to somebody who's grieving, totally okay. That's yeah. all okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love how much compassion you have for humans. Aw, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it. Are you like that in your own internal dialogue? I've gotten really good at it, yes. Like, I, especially when I was grieving, I was just like, this is so shameful. You are, this is too wild. Why can't you just contain it better? Mm -hmm. But since then, because that was such a big, like, part of the process for me to really be like, no, hey, hold on a sec. Totally okay. You're human. You're doing great. Like, totally embracing all your humanness. Whoa celebrating that, honoring that, to really, even if it sometimes felt like, well, this is, is that even true? But to just like kind of do the opposite of what I was going to do, like really be like, oh God, you didn't do it right. You're still crying, all these things. But to just be like, okay, I'm just going to do the opposite of that and just see what happens to really be like more, more open about trying to be more compassionate or just like really trying to just do things completely different and to see what changes. And when I was doing, was doing the opposite, I could feel myself softening more towards myself and towards other people as well. And like now I really have like no judgment for any human expression. Like I really, this sounds like so like, whoa, how is that possible? Or like, that's basically a little crazy. And I like, I get sometimes I get uncomfortable or like, ooh, Mm, wow interesting like maybe hesitant about what to say but I really have like in my heart I feel like no judgment around any like humanness that we express or that we that comes out of us because that is who we are we are human and that's okay to like do it imperfect do it feel like you're not capable of something or just you know make a mistake totally okay 
Yeah. And I think that's, um, it sounds like this was one of the things that you learned through your grief. <laughs> oh yes, I did. That's right. <laughs> Another lesson. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So, okay. There is an angle that I want to explore here with you. So let's say you're the person who's grieving. Um, and it's like, it's a very wild process, right? Yes. There was a question that was asked on Instagram, um, around like, I feel bad for like the people around me because I'm so sad or so in grief or, or people kind of along the lines of like, people kind of just ignore that I'm in grief around a breakup, for example. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know like what to do about it. Cause I'm like in so much pain, but then if I can't talk about it, how do I, you know, how do I be in relationship with other people? It makes it basically, she was saying like that people, it makes her feel awkward to share how deeply in grief she is around, um, a breakup. Mm -hmm. So what are that, that angle interests me? Like I'll share like my own little personal snippet before we get into it. But when I, um, came home from California, um, when my ex and I broke up, it was like Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving, which is like early October, a couple of weeks after I got back. And basically like I saw my entire family <laughs> and like no one asked me about it. <laughs> like no, no one was like, so are you okay? Or like, or not even are you okay? Cause that's maybe a weird question to ask. You're like, yeah, I'm fine. When you're like, actually I'm dying on the inside. Um, but no one was kind of like, so what happened? Or how are you feeling? Or I'm sorry, this happened. Like no one addressed it. And I, there was a part of me that was kind of glad that no one addressed it because I just didn't want to talk about it with all of those people. Um, however, like I also found it to be kind of weird that no one addressed it. I was like, what the hell? Like if this happened to someone else, like in the family, like I would for sure address it and, and, and want to make sure that the person um, has the support that they need. So this question made me think about that of like, it's kind of awkward sometimes to be around people who are not addressing the fact that you're in grief and then you don't really want to address it. And there's so much complexity there. So I would love to talk to you about it because I think this is probably something that is universal to some degree for all of us. Yeah. 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 I think like the first thing that comes to mind for me, when I like hear you talk about that and like the situation, um, I think the biggest thing is to have a place where we can speak about all the things. And if we feel like nobody that we know can do it right now, because they're all so helpless and that makes me mad or sad or whatever it is, to turn to ourselves and to do mirror work. So like stand in front of the mirror, pour your heart out to yourself. And I know this sounds like so silly, but at the time that was like for me the same. So I was like, I felt so isolated in my grief. I was like, I don't even know. And so I did a lot of just pouring my heart out to myself. Mm -hmm. And really witnessing myself in that and looking into my own eyes as I was crying and speaking the truth from my heart. And just this can like a lot of times create like this shift where other people all of a sudden are like, mm, something's different. I think I'm going to just be bold and courageous and just ask. Because there's often like, you know, like we, we talked about, there's like this helplessness. And so sometimes if you feel like you can't say it directly and be like, hey, why is nobody asking it? Hello? You just maybe send a text or be like, hey, I'm, I'm really in this like grief process and I know it's like triggering for a lot of people and 
I know that we all feel helpless. I feel so helpless, but would you just ask how I was doing or something like that to really just be you know, open and honest about what this feels like for you, what, um, what maybe they can do. Because a lot of times when we're helpless, it helps when somebody just tells us this, if you do this, this would be helpful for me. And they can't read our minds. And especially in those situations, like I know this from myself, I wish they did. I wish they could just be like, oh, yes, that's right. That's what she needs right now. <laughs> but we need to like learn to, yeah, be, be grownups in that way to say, hey, this is what I need. Even though it's really hard for me to even ask, but I'm feeling you're helpless. I need this. Can you give this to me or not? It's totally okay. Up to you. But just like state it, speak the truth see yourself in your sadness, in your grief, witness yourself, and then just see what changes for you. I love that. Yeah. And the mirror work feels really powerful for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So a place is really important for you to talk about all the things. And I love how you're, you're saying kind of have to be grownups around that. Um, yeah. I know that some people have the stance of like, well, people should just know what to do. Sometimes mm-hmm. I like that honestly. Oh yeah. I think everybody's like that. Yeah. It's not, it's not rocket science. Oh my God. It's so simple. Um, but also because I'm just a very like attuned person. Um, Mm -hmm. so I try to have compassion that not everybody's like that, which is still hard for me. Um, so, okay. So two things there. So one of them being, I think it is important to be grownups in that way and to state exactly what we need. And then Mm -hmm person an opportunity to say yes to it or to say no to it wholeheartedly what they can actually provide and if they can't provide it what do you do then that's my other second point to Mm -hmm. it I would just ask somebody else if you feel like nobody can ever listen to me or like there's just no space I honestly go find a healer a person a grief guide Mm -hmm. um a therapist somebody where you feel like all right this is a professional setting. I can just really blurt it all out and they will not love me any less or any of those things where it just feels really safe. Just go all in, all out. Yeah. That's what I would, that's what I would do then. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this person was just speaking like, you know, how do I address my grief if no one cares to talk about it around me? So I think think that's a pretty good answer. Do you think you have anything else to share for that? Hmm. I think really just giving yourself space to listen to yourself and to, cause I often feel like grief if it's like unprocessed or like a, a lot of times what I think what happens and feel what happens with grief is that it's just exhausting. It's not healing. It's not changing. And it's just exhausting. And sometimes there's just like have doing these little tweaks of like looking in the mirror while you, while you cry and just really beaming compassion your own way can like change so many things about the process. Right. Yeah, I would agree. And um, now I have my own question. Yes. <laughs> um, Go ahead. <laughs> what, what, is, what is processed grief and versus unprocessed grief? Like, how can we kind of like tell the difference in our own bodies? You'd say. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, unprocessed grief is like this feeling. For example, in the body, is like tension that just never leaves. We cry, but our bodies still feel just as like, mm, or like tense or stuck and just as before. Right. Um, 
and just like everything we do, we, when we try to move something, like the emotion, when we cry, when we like walk, go for a walk and be like, oh, I'm just gonna let myself feel it all, but nothing really changes or we can't even really feel. That is like really, for me, that's unprocessed grief. Processed grief is when things shift. So for example, when we're processing grief and we cry, and there's like specific practices that I do, rituals that I do that actually make your tea, tears heal you. Because I feel a lot of times we cry, we cry, we cry, and we just feel exhausted, tired. And like I said, the body does still feels like really tense and is holding on to this. And so I think just like inviting or like knowing different tools, how we can like actually have our emotions, our bodies kind of help us in the process of healing our grief. That can be really helpful. And the process of grief is also like years later or even decades later to have a wave of that grief that we've, you know, experienced a long time ago or just yesterday come back and to be like, all right, there it is ready for another, you know, deep dose of healing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And okay. So I'll share like my own little yeah. um, that I find really interesting. So I have had like many, many diagnoses of chronic illness stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the one that's still like, I've, I've mostly put everything into remission, as you'd say, uh, yeah. really amazing plant-based diet and, and just lifestyle that works for mm -hmm. me. Um, but one of the things that I can still deal with is fibromyalgia. And, mm -hmm. you know, for those who don't know what that is, which probably will be very little people listening. Um, but it is basically like a nerve, um, chronic illness where you get nerve inflammation. So, um, it just kind of hurts everywhere in your body to exist. So it's like, really like a, it's not a fun time. Um, mm -hmm. and what's been really interesting for me doing the work with you and, and going through my own grief invitation is yeah. that, and I just realized this yesterday, by the way, I haven't Yay. told you. Um, yeah, like I haven't had any fibro pain in like a good month or so. And that is really rare for me. And mm -hmm. thinking like, oh shit, what if, what if like I process things and my body is now reflecting that, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I just find that to be so interesting because to me, I think you know, there's different, there's, I, I'm not saying that chronic illness is just emotional based. Um, however, there is a tie there, right? So mm -hmm. the unprocessed grief, I think for me comes out as pain in my body, like just chronic pain. And the more I'm processing things, the mm -hmm. more I'm not dealing with that chronic pain. Of course, it's not been like decades yet. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Yet, but just like yeah. a couple weeks worth of like, I kid you not, I forgot that I had fibro for like, oh, it was so cool. And like, yesterday <laughs> I, had this trip, I was like, oh, and I don't even know why I remembered that I had fibro. Like it was weird because I haven't had this, like, I haven't had this feeling in so long. And I think it's straight up from processing things and, and that's letting go of some chronic pain that I've been dealing with. So what you just said so resonates with me because it's so true and grief is unprocessed. It kind of feels like that tired, it's still like yeah. there and it's like ongoing. It's not, it, there's no relief, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was so cool. I was just like, oh, right, I have fibro. And oh, because I remember because I went to see A Star is Born, which was like an emotional experience, <laughs> by the way. Um, and Lady Gaga has fibro. And I, like just seeing her made me think, oh, yeah, I have fibro. And then I was like, wait, I haven't had any pain in a while. And I was like, wait a minute. Is like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, because I was... <laughs> I was so excited, like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that I've been back to myself. Um, yeah. It's so natural. So it's like amazing. So thank you yes. for everything oh, you're welcome. And in the world. But yeah, I just wanted to share that for people to give them a real live explanation of what mm -hmm. I feel to be in process grief and process grief based on what you just explained. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's like totally, like you said, you know, this is not like invalidating chronic illnesses at all. It's like, it's like though they're very real. And I think like if we process our grief and we just get a little bit of relief, I think even that is like heaven and such a blessing. It's such a blessing. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. It's like who knows if this is like a coincidence. I don't think it is, yeah. but you know, it could be. We don't know. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I do also take really, really good care of myself. But there was um, there was a lot of anger for me in the past um, mm -hmm. around, like, well, I take such good care of myself. Like, literally, like, there's nothing I can do to be more on point with my health. Like, mm -hmm. so I was always like, why do I still have such bad pain, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's really yeah. interesting that a lot of it has dissipated from doing this work. So anyway, regardless of if that happens to anybody else or just me, like, I just think that's really cool anecdote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know I've had, actually, I've had several clients who've had like really big pain. They like come to my work because all of a sudden when they like read, like for example, oh, grief is an invitation. They like, they said to me that like it just changes like something in their body, the pain in their body is kind of like, that's it. This is it. Just, yes. just do it. Yes. And so I've had like several people just be like, it just brought me relief. Yeah. And I feel like, because oftentimes we like, if we're like any, anything, like if we're into spirituality at all, I think a lot of times we like intellectualize grief yeah. and we forget that, oh yeah, right. My body, this is where the whole thing is happening. Like the grief, my heart that I'm feeling that like all that pain is in my body. And so I think we really have to like take this whole approach to grief where it's like, we can't leave the body out. We can't leave our thoughts out. We can't leave our hearts out. And so I think that, you know, just really having that attention to our bodies can be really powerful and like a really beautiful resource too, to, to like say, where am I on this process? Where am I standing, you know, towards my grief? Or like, how am I feeling towards this? Or when this comes up, where is this in my body? I'm just really feeling it out. Yeah, I love it. Um, someone wrote in asking you a question around, really struggling. There's a lot of breakup questions. Um, That's great. Yes. This is my like specialty for yeah. the grief stuff. So let's like just kind of like bunch them all in. Cause there's a lot of people being like, just like, I feel like I'm dying. I'm struggling. I don't know if I can go on without this person. It feels pointless. There's no meaning, blah, 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 blah. Kind of all on that tangent. So, um, there's a woman asking these questions. So we can speak directly to women. Um, mm -hmm. I would love if a dude would ask me this though on my Instagram, but they didn't. They right. <laughs> um, so, but I know that they go through it even if they're listening, yeah. you know, the far and few. Um, so yeah, you're struggling after a breakup and you're in grief. Um, I remember my first breakup ever. I was dating this guy named D-Rock. That was his legit name. 
<laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. And D-Rock is like my first love. Like I still straight up believe that we are soulmates. Um, and I used to think that like we were going to get married and we were going to have kids. And like even after we broke up, I was like, we're going to find our way back to each other. Like, you know, we just, it was even like beyond physical for us. Like I felt like it was like a deep, like soul yeah. connection between us. So yeah. Um, he has a, a girlfriend now and I've moved on and we still, like, I still have his number in my phone. Like we're still friends. Um, <laughs> like, what, D-Rock that, and everybody knows how much I loved D-Rock. Like he was, yeah, he was so much to me and he meant so much to me. So when we broke up, um, it was like this weird breakup. I'm actually, this is fun to tell on the podcast, but we were like both crying. Like it was like, oh. kind of like, why are we breaking up? But we're going to break up. Um, and it's because we were still in high school and like he went to this different school and he was graduating because he was a bit older than me. So like, it just made sense for us to break up because we like wanted to like experience life kind of yeah. with our new adventures and, and, and things like that. And, um, so we just, we broke up, but we were like kids basically like crying, breaking up Aww, yeah. and it was like so sweet and so sad. And I think we even like kissed and we said goodbye. Like, I don't know. It was Aww. like, it was so like profound in that moment. And I remember after like not knowing if I was going to make it in life <laughs> because I was like, there's no way that I can like live my life outside of partnership with him. Like, there's just no way. I just, I don't, I think we made a mistake. I don't know what this is about. Like we should get back together. And then at this point, like I heard that he was seeing or dating another person eventually. And I was just like devastated. And for years after, like he was still like what gave me like stars in my eyes type of a thing. And yeah. hmm, I remember that experience and I was like super dramatic as well. That's something that we share. <laughs> like I would like sit in the room and like write poetry and stuff. <laughs> like, and literally I had this box that was like to the one that got away. And it was like literally all of like my poetry about him, which is like so funny looking back. But anyway, um, yeah, it was, like, a very dramatic, like, stance around it. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, I'm not going to survive without him. And then eventually I did. And eventually it passed this grief that I had with him. And anytime now that I have grief, that's so bad that I'm, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, like, adjust to life with this death in my life, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember, remember how you thought you'd never be able to with D-Rock and you did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, like I will still remember how it felt to genuinely believe that I was not going to be able to move on, adjust, work with grief from the death of that relationship. I keep always, even to this like relationship that just ended, I remember, remember when you did it with D-Rock because it was such a profound like <laughs> lost for me at the time. And um, yeah, I thought I was never gonna be able to move through it. So I share that story because the grief of breakups and the death of relationships for me, and I'm sure for you as well, Lisa, um, mm -hmm. really like, 
takes a wild toll on me. It's not like, okay, well, we broke up, move on type of thing. It's like, oh my God, you know? So <laughs> I just wanted to share that little story because it's, one, it's cute. And then two, um, it still speaks to me in the sense of like, oh, the death of a relationship is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us about if we're struggling with that, how do we, how do we cope? I think the first thing that we need to acknowledge is kind of this thing that if we've been in partnership with somebody and we're like, this is the one, or like we've loved them a lot and they're not in our lives anymore. It's kind of like, we're really addicted to this person, to our relationship. And then it's not there anymore. And then we have to go like kind of have to go through like detox and withdrawal. And I think so like, what I know, like what I did was like really be like, okay, this is the timeline I need. And I will, I'm not in this timeline. I am committed to taking really good care of myself, which means I will not talk to her. I will not text her. I will not do anything to try to win her back. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times we like, when we're in this, like, you know, withdrawal stage, we want so much, like, everything that was bad about the relationship or everything that was maybe wasn't working just flies out the window and we just see like rose colored glass we're like but they're the best they're the one and Mm -hmm. i really feel like we have to kind of trust like the divine a little bit too in all those moments where it's like okay if this was the one all right then maybe this is just a period of like being apart and they'll come back or if it's not meant to be i'll trust that too and that whatever's meant for me will not pass me um all those kind of things as well and to really just be like okay I'm really addicted to this love and to this because I think that only this person could ever make me feel this loved or make me feel this way about them. Just be like, okay, this is my timeline. This is how long I will give myself to kind of detox and let go or like allow myself to let it go um, and then just see what changes. Because I know that in that like really big struggle spot like that, oh my God, but I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Just be like, okay, that's also okay if I can't. If I can't let it go, also okay. To bring as much compassion as you can to that struggling you. And to be like, I'm struggling. Okay, you are struggling. That's okay. That's okay. I'm here with you. Just really reaffirm this like really deep, like, um, yeah, like this sisterhood with yourself to be like, but I'm here. No matter how much you struggle, how much you feel like you cannot go on, I'm here with you. You are not alone at this moment. I love that. And that creates like a connection with yourself. Yeah. 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 And it creates a relationship with yourself that allows you to make decisions from a clear, like exactly. It's almost yeah. right. Instead yeah. of codependent space or yeah. um, a place where it's like you are addicted to the love. Um, yeah. The of that person. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think also like relationships that end, like it is, it is a form of death, right? Because oh, yes. yeah. you, can't, you mm-hmm. can't go back and mm-hmm. you're different now. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's also, because I know you recommend the book Attached to Everybody. I think this is like, if you're feeling like, oh my God, oh my God, maybe just like reading that book too will just give some like, oh wow, this is my attachment type. This is also why it feels even more deeply. To not be like, oh, this is like invalidates my experience because I'm this type, but just be like, oh, I understand myself even more. This is good. Yeah, totally. What is, um, what's your type? 
if you don't mind. Sure. I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't mind sure. I'm like anxious and secure depending on who I'm dating, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's me yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Get me in a relationship with an avoidant, though, and I'm like the anxious. Oh, like, right. Yes, me too. Right. Yeah. But like, <laughs> if I'm like in like solid relationships with humans, friendship or otherwise, it's like I'm a very yeah. secure attached person. However, yes. get me in a anxious avoidant draft and like oh god that's not beautiful <laughs> exactly yeah same here yes <laughs> yeah and I think also reading that book is so life-changing because yeah if, if actually you're going through a breakup you should read that book because eventually you're going to start dating again most likely right yeah. um and you should know the information in there so you actually stop the anxious avoidant trap before it even exactly. starts yes mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah um cool um what else on in terms of like you're struggling you just broke up with someone who I okay actually this is something I'd love to share with you um yeah one thing that's really been hard for me in my relationship ending with my ex um has been like a safe space to cry um our relationship was definitely an anxious avoidant trap for sure amongst other things (laughs) however um one of the things that I miss the most that kind of I've given myself permission to be like, okay, like it's okay that you can't let this go or it's okay that this is hard or it's okay that you miss him in this way, even if he did all these awful things, right? It doesn't mean that you, you want to be with him or that you're going to let yourself be in that unsafe relationship anymore because you miss something about it, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. one of one of the things that um, I miss is like the safe place to cry. Like I, I have this thing where I, I don't, I don't cry very much um, with just about anybody. Like I have to feel a really like familiar family feeling Mm -hmm. to feel comfortable crying. And there are some people in the world who just like, they can just say hello to me. And I just like start crying if I need to cry about something, Mm -hmm. Um, but they're very far and few. And my ex was one of those people just because we were so close um, throughout the different things that we went through. But um like if I was holding on to something, I could hear his voice on the phone and just like start crying about it and have an emotional release. Or I would see him and I'd be like, okay, this happened, you know? Um, and oh my God, I totally miss that. I, I miss that so much about our relationship of, of having that space. It's, it's, it's a thing that just for me, like I'm not sure if he got anything out of it, but it was, it was for me like something that I really valued in our relationship my the space to be myself and the space to be heard and to have um that presence from on his end it was really important to me and I miss it and um I have to be very careful to uh not let that rose like tainted glasses thing happen for me when I'm missing that because I also have to remember that um, while that was a reality in our relationship I have to look at the whole of what the reality actually was as well Um, so kind of along the lines of like, I'm struggling not to reach out to my ex because when the grief hits me, like someone asked this question, like, I don't know how to not text my ex or not call my ex when the reality hits me, um, of Mm -hmm. like missing them for something. Mm -hmm. I like to say, okay, like, is it possible to just sit with the longing? Yeah. What are your thoughts? I think that is very like valid. And I think it's a beautiful question. Just be like, can I just sit with this? And can I kind of take out the urgency of like, my nervous system feels like I need it. I need it now. Just be like, okay, can I like take care of myself first before I feel like I need to go into this like urgency mode. Um, What also is just coming to mind is to, 
if it feels really hard and if we like, if we, cause there's always like, you know, we break up for a reason and to like, maybe if that's like really helpful to just write down the realities, like the bad things and keep those somewhere. We're just like, okay, that's right. Or delete the number from the phone or block them in like this way. I don't know, like this like thing, like I used to like do that. to like set up my email, for example, in like this way where like, I still had like all her addresses, but they were like so far in like this block thing that I needed a password to get in. I don't <laughs> anymore know how to set that up, but like kind of something like that where you're like, if I will ever need to reach out to them again, I can, but not right now. And to maybe even be like, okay, I'm just going to write the number, their number down and put it somewhere where I keep my like things that I don't look at often, but I know that I have it. I'm going to delete it from my phone. That kind of like taking away all the like little things that, could make it easier for us to like contact them if we know that it's not really for our deepest like good highest good right and then to like be like okay i made this decision for a reason i'm like deleting them for a reason the number for a reason because i'm taking care of myself and so if this is for my highest good i can respect that even though it's hard and a mantra that i i loved that i always used was it's okay i'm going to love her him them anyway because that like, t- also takes out this pressure of you just stop loving them the second we break up because that's not realistic. And to really just be like, all right, I'm going to have this mantra to like take this pressure of myself or this judgment that I'm like, or beating myself up because I still want them so much. I miss them. I love them. Just be like, that's all, those are all valid and okay things to think and to feel. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's like really beautiful because one of the things um, when I got home that was hard, especially in the first weeks, um, mm-hmm. I just, I did really miss him, you know, like there was, yeah. and I was like confusing because I was like, why do I miss this person? And I could have judged myself and shamed myself for being like, well, you shouldn't miss this person because they mistreated you so deeply. Um, mm-hmm. But what I missed was what I, first of all, like I had to start also grieving like what I thought the relationship was versus what it actually was that I wasn't aware of right yeah Um, yeah there's like a lot of layers for me and there still is but one of the things that has helped me so much actually connect back to myself is to give myself permission to like you said miss her him whomever um Mm -hmm. and (laughs) you know I think that we have a lot of shame around like missing people if like they are quote-unquote unhealthy for us and I think like there's a reason everybody's unhealthy in the first place anyway. So we have compassion for what made them unhealthy. Um, Like I don't want to be in this anymore because it's not safe for me and you're not taking Mm -hmm. responsibility and integrity to make it right in a relationship. Yes. But also you're still allowed to see like, okay, like they're hurting. I love Mm -hmm. them, but I'm Mm -hmm. also not going to be putting myself into a situation where I could be hurt more. I'm going to take care of myself instead. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And exactly. Just being like, if you're the one who broke up to be like, I made this decision because it's the right one for me. And if they broke up or if they betrayed or lied or whatever the situation is to be like, all right, they did that. And I can still love them, miss them. You know, like you said, to just really give yourself permission to be in that place. That's just real. That's the truth. And not to be like, can't miss them. Can't miss them. Can't love them anymore. To be like, okay, they betrayed me and I still love them to be really honest. Because yeah. I think honesty is really, really important when we like process or like are with our grieving 
because otherwise it gets like goes into that like unprocessed grief cloud because it's never the truth of like our experience of what we're really feeling oh my god that's what it is yes yeah that's what it is because it's not the truth that's why it doesn't get processed oh yes yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so just being like, okay, honestly, this is the truth for me. They betrayed me. They lied to me. They you know, cheated on me, whatever it is. And to be like, but my God, my heart still loves them anyway. Be like, that's all right. To really yeah. be like, that's full compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like just out of experience in the past few mm-hmm. months, like that has actually made me love him less. If that's any incentive for anybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like giving myself permission to fully love him like or fully miss him team up allowed that to pass and allowed that to be like Lisa just said and then that's just allowed me to process it and now I'm I don't know like if I ask myself do I still love him like yeah I can still feel a lot of love for him um Mm -hmm. but am I in love with him still I don't know maybe a little bit but not not in the way that I was three months ago and I I still be like fully, fully, like I'm in love with him. I can't believe this happened or, you know, like let's try to fix it mode. Um, mm-hmm. If I hadn't just allowed myself to feel what was true for me moment to moment to moment. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And that w- that's such a big part of my grief process for me is just to be really present and really honest with what's actually going on in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then that always, always makes it pass. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And this is like also something about grief. Like all the people who come to me and they're like, I'm in deep grief. And it is true. There is a lot of grief, but a lot of times what's underneath the grief is the truth that has been like waiting, like waiting to just come out or to be spoken, to be acknowledged, to be seen. And then we like realize, wow, there's all these other things that things that this is really about. And this is like the, the thing that made it happen that made me grieve. So the breakup, the death, whatever it is, but all of this stuff, oh my God, just needs to come out and needs to be seen and heard and processed and loved and healed and all these things. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And as you were talking, when I went from like, yeah, I do still feel some love. I had some anger and some hate come up like right in the moment after. <laughs> I was like, no, I hate him. And then I just kept listening to you while also simultaneously holding the fact that I hate him at the moment. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> So in like that yes. sensitive grieving right there. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Cause it's like, I feel like there's so many like, Oh, okay. This is cause we can, we can, we can cry, especially if we're women, we're like, we can cry about when we're grieving we can like sob or like do any of like the dainty little things. But there's like a lot of like, Oh, maybe even like fear around. Oh my God, I'm just so mad. I just want to smash things. Like if that, if that's your thing. And to just be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to give myself this one thing I'm going to smash or this one thing I'm going to like burn or whatever it is, like obviously in a safe way. But I just be like, really be like, I'm going to also do the wild in this. Like this is always like really important, like in the process to be like, I'm doing the wild stuff and I'm doing the tender stuff because it all is, all is true in, in grief. It's all true. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, love what you just did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm back to like kind of neutral. Like I'm, yeah. I'm connected with myself again. So yes. it's like, but, or, you know, if it was a different setting, I, I could perhaps go deeper into all of those feelings, but it's yes. like, I think also we have a, some shame when we're grieving around, like, I, I mean, I feel one way a second and then never mind. I feel a different way and never mind. Now I'm back to normal. And now I'm crazy. And now I'm fine. You know, like, yes, yes. Yeah. But to be able to contain that and give permission to it kind of just allows it 
to come back to baseline eventually. Yes. Um, yeah. Something I, and that you just kind of touched on by like breaking things or whatever, um, <laughs> is the storm season. Yes. So mm-hmm. tell us more about the storm season. Cause this is something that you and I, well, you've taught me in our work together, um, mm-hmm. to embrace the storm season and yeah, like I, I think for me, a big part of my, the invitation grief has on me in, in this, in this moment is to let go of a lot of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And something you said to me was like, okay, well, so what if you grab your phone and look at Instagram in the first like five minutes of you waking up? Like, who cares? You know, like, <laughs> and you're like, don't do this shit. Let everything go crazy. It's fine. Like, you're going to be, yes. you know, yes. like, all right. And then I didn't like clean my car for like three weeks. I had, <laughs> but anyway, like I just had like containers and containers and containers of things. And I was just like, you know, I don't care. I just, what just, what feels good in this moment. And I, I went, I went for that for a couple of weeks and until I was like, okay, it feels good to do something different, but to kind of be inhibited and wild and let myself just kind of do what I wanted to do instead of like trying to be perfect in this grief season was amazing. Tell people about the storm season. All right. So what I do like in the process of grief or like just having like grief kind of in like different like sections, I use the elements or like, yeah, like earth, air, storm, spirit, water to kind of have like a little bit of a container so we just really you know look what's happening in your life all right so this is probably this feel really feels like the storm season for like when we started talking I was like oh yeah storm season you know it must be some chaos some chaos mm-hmm. some like whoa just wild and like for example like the storm season is really all about knowing that this chaos will eventually lead to like a new order like a new divine order in your life and in the storm season you can be you know the eye of the storm and everything's just crazy around you or you can just kind of like jump into the storm and let yourself be like unraveled and kind of undone and to know that like each element each season is like has really these deep gifts so you know like you said you just felt like all right you know when you because when you were like telling me like but no, I need to have like the perfect morning routine because otherwise, my God, everything's going to go like shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but this is like the storm season gift of like, but what, what's, you know, like, so what, you know, what if things go a little to shit? Everything's already feeling really like crazy and chaotic in your heart. Like why try so hard? Because that takes so much energy to like keep all this stuff together and perfect, you know, and perfectionism. And like, I know this from myself, like, I really want to do this perfectly, like, even grieving. I wanted to do it so perfectly, but there's really no perfect in grief. This is all about, you know, the invitation is to be like less than perfect, to just try it out, to express, to move with what is alive. And so, especially in the storm season, there's like, all right, so what's alive right now? The anger, right? Tossing it up in the air, tossing it into the storm, really having this visual of this tornado hurricane thing to be like, all right, let's see where it like comes down again. Let's see where it settles in new divine order. And so, you know, if you need to like not clean the car for like three weeks, yes. Or like, if you're like, need to look on my phone, yes. Like, let's give yourself the relief that your heart is craving. Yeah. And, um, and remember when I was like, all I want to eat is hash browns and I, yes. hash browns. I don't want to eat them anymore because I ate them. <laughs> but Actually, no, I could eat hash browns today. I just talked to <laughs> desire. I was like, yeah, I could. I could. 
<laughs> but yeah, like I just like I want to eat a ton of hash browns. I mean hash browns like in all of the ways possible. Because that's what I felt like eating instead of being like I need to have my juices in this order and and blah 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 blah. And I can really attest to the fact that because I allowed myself to be wild and to mm-hmm. follow this inhibition that was inside of me, this chaos. Yeah. yeah. Eventually, I just woke up and I was like, hmm, like I want to make my celery juice and my lemon water and then my orange juice and my smoothie and my things in order. It just felt like I wanted to do that now. And yeah, yeah. if I had forced myself though to keep on plan and on protocol and on all of the things when there was this big chaos happening, like especially on the shock of it all, right? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have ever been able to get back to a place of desire to get back into some kind of routine. Like now I'm waking up in the morning and I'm like, ah, I don't really want to touch my phone right now. Like I want to go for a bath, you know, or I wanna, like, what do I feel like doing um, is, is, is more clear to me now because I've allowed myself to just kind of do, sometimes it was a bit, it was numbing. Yeah, it was, it was numbing. And I, I had a lot of like qualms around being, mm-hmm. numbing, you know, like, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I just, like, on Saturday, I watched, like, four hours of this show called um, One Husband, Three Wives, which is basically... Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> and I was like, it was so, I was like, what the F am I doing? There's no right. point, there's no point yes. of watching this, like, literally, but it's not good. <laughs> so I just did it, you know, yeah. like, it was relaxing yeah. to me. It, it allowed me to kind of just watch someone else's reality unfold and not be in my own reality for a little bit. And I could have done more productive things. I could have organized things. I could have worked. I could have went for a walk. I could have, you know, whatever, but that's mm-hmm. what I felt like doing it. And that the permission yes. to do that or to have an intermittent like storm season on and off uh, after having like a storm season of a few weeks consecutively, like yeah. is really healing for me in this process. And it's actually allowing me to take care of myself better and my fear was like if I allow myself to come undone like I won't be able to take care of myself or I won't want to work anymore or I had a lot of fears around like if I come undone there's Mm -hmm. no way I'm gonna be built back up and that was like the opposite the opposite is happening actually yeah exactly because I feel like there's like the thing of needs to come out otherwise it's gonna go up in the cloud of unprocessed grief like it just needs to come out. And when, when it comes out, no matter how it comes out, especially with this numbing thing, I think there's like so much judgment because we are so aware of like, that's bad. Like we, we are, there's so many things we label as bad that if we would do them, oh my God, what does this mean about me? But just be like in the storm season, yes, numbing is also good because we can't be in our, in our pain like 24 seven. Yep. We need to like give ourselves like our body's just a moment of, all right, I'm just going to watch this. I'm just going to be on my phone and to make that okay as well. And, you know, like you said, this whole thing of like, oh my God, but what if I come undone and then everything is like completely falling apart. And I do not ever like, you know, get back up and I don't want to do any of the things anymore. And I think that is like a part of the, the grief process is to be like, I'm coming undone. And this is me at my like, you know, rawest, you know, in my rawest version. And to be like, what is still true for me? So, you know, like some, some people who've worked with me, they're like, actually, I'm just going to apply for a different job. All right. If that is the truth. Yes. Love just it. Be like, All right. Give yourself permission to like, let that undoing, you know, trust it and know that everything will, you know, kind of settle back into like a different divine order if that hasn't been your truth. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that gives me chills actually. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, it requires a level of trust for sure. Yeah. But at this yes. point, it's kind of like, well, like, I don't know. What are your alternatives? <laughs> like, right? Because grief is so painful and it's always in so much pain. Like then, like, I feel always like, this is also like something that I know. And like a lot of people like reflect that back to me as well. They're like, I'm so lost. Everything is like hopeless. So if every, if you're like in that place, then it doesn't matter if you like storm it up a bit because it's, it's already feels like you've lost everything. And so if you just, you know, let yourself lose, maybe that will just really be like the freedom that you've desired or that you've needed. In yeah. Order to just like feel more real, feel more you. Totally. And it's so interesting because like I wanted the house and I wanted the husband and I wanted mm-hmm. the kids eventually. And you know, my, my work and stuff has kind of like always been something that, I've been lucky to have a lot of clarity around. I think that's yeah. always like my divine blessing. Like God was like, here you go. I'm going to give you something. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like yes. my, it's my silver lining, honestly. So yes. like my work has always kind of stayed the same, especially in the past five years. Um, mm-hmm. However, like I had all of this image of like what I wanted out of my life. Mm-hmm. And there was so little freedom in that. And I was so like controlling, honestly, yes. around. Yeah wanting the certain things the certain way and and yeah like now I'm realizing like oh I have so much freedom I can literally do whatever I would like what would you like and it's like so cool to be able to ask that question and to actually be able to like hold it and listen to it and 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 yeah and I know that I'm still very fresh into this process but it's already Mm -hmm. been so life-changing so I want to thank you Lisa for just being you um but also for starting this work in the world because it's, again, like I said, I think it's one of the smartest, most genius, most needed things in the world at the moment. Um, and I can see that you're going to most likely go far beyond what you probably even imagine with it at the moment. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Thanks so much. Yeah. So before we kind of wrap up today, um, I want to ask you some fun questions, but, uh, yes. Is there anything that you want to share that you haven't shared that you think would be really valuable for people to hear on the topic of wild sensitive grieving? Yes. I think the last thing I want to say is that um, your needs and grief are worthy of being met. And there's like no fault in your grief. Your grief is not a burden and you are not a burden in your grief. Yeah. (sighs) Deep breath, right? Like that's exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thank you so much um so i'm starting this thing now in the new episodes if it feels right Mm -hmm. it feels right with you so i'm gonna ask you like fun questions um totally what's your favorite essential oil Ooh, frankincense oh really that's so interesting i love it (laughs) i don't know this has always been like one of those like scents where i've been like oh yes or or cedar same it's like home it smells like home like divine home yeah Yeah. i actually i can relate to that um awesome what is your favorite tv show lately oh let me think what am i watching i'm actually watching all the episodes of dr house because i was so bored i can't watch any christmas movies because they're so i don't know there's something so oh about them most of them unfortunately where i'm like this is not even this would never happen in real life i'm very critical about love stories and triggers and how realistic things are so (laughs) yeah 
Cool. So that's awesome. What's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, wow. I love movies. So this is very hard. Oh, what am I going to say? Okay, you um, have like permission, like divine permission <laughs> to have more than one. So, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love Milk. I love that movie. Yeah, cool. Um, yes, I love it. It's so good. Um, I love The Holiday for like soft, hard things. I think that's a very good movie. I was like really good for like making you cry a little. Um, oh my God, this is hilarious. Now I'm totally blanking. <laughs> um, what other good movies? Oh man. So many good movies. Like I'm, I'm a real like soundtrack buff. Like I can, I have like playlists of like nine hours of soundtracks, and I most of the time I can tell you what the movie is from if you play it. Wow. So I'm like sometimes I just love a movie because the music is so good. Like Legends of the Fall, music's great. The movie's like meh. So <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Say those are your top two then. I guess so, because I can't think of any other right now. But, like, probably when we hang up, I'm going to be like, oh, this movie. How can yeah. I not say that? But, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so next question then. What is your favorite kind of flower or plant? So it could be, like, a house plant or a flower, whatever, whatever sings to you. So I don't know how you say that. I think it's peonies. Yeah, I don't know either. So, you know, we yeah. are really well here. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, mm. but I think they're very pretty. They're so, like, lush in the life. I really love that. Yeah. yeah, I love, I think it's peonies. I think you said it properly. But honestly, I'm known <laughs> for saying words. Like, I, because I, I learned English um, through reading, basically. Did, how did, yeah. what is your native tongue, by the way? German. German. So I started learning English when I was 12. Okay. And it's yeah. very interesting because I feel like you don't have an accent, but you can sometimes hear it. And I, I really like it. You can hear it just sometimes. Um, yeah. I think for me, it's the same way from mm -hmm. what I perceive anyway. Yes. Um, but I also <laughs> didn't start learning English until grade four, which I don't know how yeah. old you were at that point, like around 10, nine, 10. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Side note for everybody listening. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Love that flower. Um, what's your favorite color? Gold. Gold. <laughs> I actually share that with you. I think gold is necessary in life. Um, cool. And um, what is the craziest thing you've ever done that you care to share with the world on the internet? <laughs> craziest thing I've ever done I'm like favorite color craziest thing you've ever done <laughs> <laughs> I love it oh my god I can't think of anything crazy but that's actually not true I've done lots of crazy things um craziest thing I've ever and, done and crazy is like up for interpretation at this point too like oh, yeah. Wild, yeah whatever whatever speaks to you yes I've smashed a lot of things in anger okay. I'm totally claiming that I'm like yes yes that was actually really cathartic. That was great. But I think otherwise, craziest, craziest thing, I think just saying like before, like after I got divorced, I was like so lost. I was like, where am I even going to go? Where am I going to move? And just being like, I'm going to move to Amsterdam in three weeks and figuring everything out and then just moving on a whim. Being like, I've got it. So yeah. Cool. That's it. Yeah. Love it. So what is your uh, favorite part of your birth chart? I know that's a weird question, but I really Ooh. like it. Oh man, that's a good question. I think my Leo rising. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have so much Leo in my chart, but just like 
Lilia rising really helps because I have, you know, my moon and sun are Virgo. So yeah, people get like, if people perceive me as a Virgo, I think it would be like misinterpreted because I have so much Leo in my whole chart. I'm very like fun and open and all these things. But if you would just like be like, oh, this is a Virgo. A lot of people like in my past have been like, oh, you're a Virgo. But then they know me, they get to know me. And they're like, oh, but you have so much Leo. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Not that Virgos are bad, by the way. Yeah, I love Virgos. Virgos are my, like, <laughs> Virgos are my people because I'm a Gemini. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, like, Virgo and Gemini share Mercury as their yes. planet. So, like, Virgos, I like them. They're organized. They show up. They do as they stay. You know, yes. like, I love yes. Virgos. Um, so... I, I can totally see, though, that you are a Leo rising because I think, like, the first impression, everybody most likely who are listening to this episode has listened to the Astrology with Danielle Mercurio episode. But as we know from that episode, um, I just say everybody. I'm, that was very, like, I've assumed very much it's <laughs> been the high, like, the most popular episode so far. So, because um, we all love to know about ourselves. Um, yes. And we know from that episode that the rising – sign is kind of like the first impression we give to the world and I would say that the first impression you give to the world at least to me anyway was very like Leo vibes yeah <laughs> I love that you yeah. love that about yourself yes and it's like very interesting like because like this whole like grief for a lot of people are like oh that must be really sad and it is it can be really sad but a lot of times there's a lot of laughter too where it's just like wow it's so absurd almost it's like yes. like where people just laugh and then you know it's good yeah 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 Cool. What is your Mercury in, by the way? This is not a part of the question. I just can't. Oh, my Mercury. <laughs> I think it's, oh, where is it? That's a good question. I think it's in Leo or in Scorpio. Interesting. Um, yeah. By the way, if it's in Scorpio, you have a strategy. And if it's in, <laughs> yeah, if it's in Leo, that makes sense too, because you're loud and proud. Um, <laughs> um, uh, okay, yeah, my next question. I know this actually already, but. Um, what is your Myers-Briggs personality type? INFJ. Yes. Do you love it? <laughs> yes, I do. Like, I loved it. Like, the second I got it, I was like, that is so me. Yes, I'm seen. Like, it just felt, like, so good. And it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I love ENF. Well, no, I love ENFJs for sure. But INFJs um, are probably my favorite people to be friends with, to be honest. Yeah. 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 I just, I love... I don't, it's just because I'm an ENFJ myself, so I'm very, like, I don't know, biased toward who I'm, or like me, to be honest, um, <laughs> but, but I just, I really love um, that combination of cognitive functioning, so, okay, cool, um, what's, this is uh, something we talked about right before we got onto the call, but um, what is your, if you know it, your emotional or your authority um, in human design and then also what's your type in human design so how do you I'm a projector in human design and my authority is mental so there's a lot of like I can I'm really good at manifesting things I'm very good at being really clear or like figuring things out like for example if somebody comes to me and presents me with a chaos I'm very good at like organizing it and like reflecting it back in a way that makes sense so yes, yes. yeah yeah, beautiful. And we were talking before we started record how you were like, oh, I don't know, like if I liked being a projector, but then you kind of, <laughs> you kind of loved it since. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
how do you feel about that whole waiting for the invitation thing as a projector? Oh, that's, that's a really interesting one because in my life I've, I've known this to be true. Like if I, if I push too much, it doesn't work out. And if I'm invited, things are very smooth. So I know it to be true. And I'm like trying, like at the moment, I'm really working on like this whole reframing of the waiting and to just be more like, this is more time for me to just be so joyous and in my joy and in my genius and to really just, you know, project that out into the world and reflect that to the world, how I'm in my joy and in my, you know, genius. And then to also have this deeper trust, even that like the divine made me a human design projector. And so the human is like the divine will have it figured out how it's all going to work and how it's going to go down. So, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the thing I love the most about human design. It's kind of like, Oh, like my soul knew, like knows what it's doing. Yeah. I just need to exactly. align whatever it was trying to do. And like, things are going to work, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cool. Um, I love how, you know, all these things Not everybody does. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure you also know your love languages, which is my last question. Do you know yes, your- I do. I do. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> my number one is touch and the other one is words of affirmation. And then I'm not sure how that goes. I know that gifts are my last one. Okay. Um, and acts of service, I think, are my number four. So I just don't know what my number what's my number three? What's what's left? Um, it would be quality time. No. Yes. Yeah, quality yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Do you know your apology language or no? That's a bonus question. No, I don't. <laughs> I, took that, I took that quiz just for fun, and it was really interesting. Mine was just kind of like, um, you need people to, like, make it right. And I'm like, yep, yep, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that it existed. I'm going to take the quiz. Yeah, it's, like, a new thing. I guess they're, like, they also have, like, an anger assessment thing now as well. Ooh, I haven't great. taken that, which I would probably score <laughs> very highly in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the pod with me today. It's been such a lovely conversation. Um, now, I'm sure that people are going to want more of you. Where can they find you? They can find me at wildsensitivesouls.com and on Instagram also, wildsensitivesouls. And then we can connect. I can't wait. Awesome. And tell us about your beautiful, amazing offering that I actually pay you for. So like super, super testimonial here. It is one of the best investments you'll ever make. Tell us about your one-on-one grief coaching and, and what that's all about. And if someone's interested, how to um, kind of, uh, connect and, and sign up. Yes. So you can just like find out all the info that if you want to read it, you can find it at wildsensitivesouls.com. But if I should, if I would share like what this is really all about, it's really like this super personalized, unique to you, like journey that we take together of really like figuring out like what you need. And I really believe that there's like not like a one size fits all. So like if I, you know, there's a lot of practices that are really unique to you that I will only share with you because that's like what's aligned and what's like on your path or for your path. And um, in these like, in this one-on-one work, there's like space to just be like fully you and full permission to be, you know, wildly alive, to be deeply in sorrow and, sadness and to cry to rage just to be be fully alive and what's present for you in your grief um and it's really i feel like this is really this like container it's like magical container of feeling like doable like it's doable to grieve is doable again like really feeling like your needs are so worthy of being met and they're being met in the space and um really just 
this, yeah, like this whole sacred space for you to remember that you are sacred, that you are whole already, even in your grief, even if you're feeling broken, you are whole. And we'll really just journey through, you know, the elements, we'll journey through the different waves and weeks and months together of what can unfold during grief. And, you know, all the things we've talked about, we'll just address and we'll just make it really personal to you. And yeah, you can just find it at wildsensitivesouls.com. And if you want to connect with me and you're like, I don't know if this is right for me or if you're the right person. Like I love to do these like 30 minute feeler calls. There's like no pressure to sign up or anything. It's just, you know, where we feel it out together and we can just check in where you are, where I am, if this is going to work, how we're feeling about each other, what you need help with. And they're just like super sweet and fun. And you can write me an email at lisa at wildsensitivesouls.com. And then we can set it up from there. Yes. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, I love it. And um, oh my gosh, I just remembered that the first call I was supposed to have with you was the weekend I was finding out everything that was going to dissolve. <laughs> and I like totally gapped on our phone call and like my internet was really bad and I couldn't <laughs> get to you. And I was like, this person, I think I'm the flakiest person. And I'm, I'm not the flakiest person. Like that's mm -hmm. something that's really important to me to not be. Yeah. But now I'm thinking like, what did I think I had to grieve from before all of this happened? It was like, <laughs> well, like, I feel like there's such a divine intelligence to your work. So yeah. if you, it's like, it's interesting how I reached out to Lisa, like before I even realized that my relationship was going to disintegrate. So, so it's so fascinating looking back. I just, I just had that flash of like info come to me. Um, yeah. If you like, I just want to really say how thankful I am for you, Lisa, in my life. And um, I think that if you have a nudge to work with Lisa, anyone who's listening, I would go for it. Cause it's been honestly, and I'm not just saying that I'm a person who just compliments when she means it. So um <laughs> it's really been one of the best investments I've made. So thank you so much, Lisa, for being here with us today. Check her out. Um, she also has these amazing uh, moon forecasts that you do for your newsletter, right? Is that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> check all of that out. Cause it's super magical. And if you listen to the show and you liked it, don't forget to subscribe. It's the number one way to get the podcast into the hands of anybody who needs it so that they know it exists. And if you're listening in the month of December, which um, you perhaps are, if you're listening in real time, um, I want to let you know and remind you that there is this beautiful invitation for you to win a 2019 forecast reading with me if you're leaving a review for the pod on iTunes, just as an incentive and as a thank you for listening and for supporting my work. So. I have been Emily Obey. You can find me on Holistic Entrepreneurship on Instagram and at my website, emilyobey.ca. I will talk to you next time.